Academy Award nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay, Licorice Pizza is the story of Alana Kane and Gary Valentine growing up, running around, and falling in love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, the film tracks the treacherous navigation of first love. Empire says Licorice Pizza is Paul Thomas Anderson operating at full capacity, a master at work. Now available to watch in theaters and on digital. Hi, it's David Pullman with the hot button number 92, The Trouble with Variable Ticket Pricing. Price competition leads invariably to less, not more. Whatever AMC and Regal are trying with the Batman will not change the market overall. I can see their mindset. We've already seen in the wake of COVID that people are willing to go to the movies and pay more to see movies on premium screens rather than the basic digital screens. And I believe we'll see a wave of conversions to premium screens in traditional brick-and-mortar spaces in the next year or three. That said... Playing pricing games is dangerous to the market. It is a big part of what brought down DVD after just a few years. It's also a budding issue in streaming. Too many streamers with too many differing price ideas that change too often. People will pay. Piracy is a real thing, but the average person who lives and works as an adult in the economy will pay for content. They don't want to feel ripped off, see, record industry, and they don't want to have to be watching their back every time they sign up for something. See, subscription biz, especially for the legacy print media. But one of the things that has worked for theatrical for many decades is price consistency from theater to theater. Obviously, there are exceptions. Matinees have been around forever. I know AMC, while not running movies as early as they used to, is discounting daily, weekday, as their regular norm now, 30% mostly. Premium pricing for THX was once a, th once a thing, and it still is for IMAX, Dolby, 4DX, and other premium options. And of course, we all remember when 3D was an unstoppable force, which eventually met public sentiment, the immovable object. 3D is still around, but in a much lower percentage than was once expected, and mostly for kids' movies. Traditional exhibition has had a clear price variation option in the past. It was called Second Run. In the 70s and 80s, movies might run in their original theaters for six months, eight months, even a year, but even as the industry shortened the windows and cable became a norm for America, there were successful second-run theaters. The price was usually around 50% of what a local ticket price was, and some were $1 houses. DVD and studios' desire to shorten windows to get to the DVD money eventually killed the second-run business. Mostly it was that. Uh, there was still a certain joy for parents getting their kids out of the house and with some of their friends to go see a movie that was hot a few months earlier, leaving them alone in the theater together for four bucks a ticket and candy that was slightly overpriced instead of wildly overpriced. But distributors could still make more money on, Disney, uh, on DVD sell-through, so they stopped making the films available cheaply for these second-run houses, which, many of which were mom-and-pops. Then, of course, there was the conversion to digital projection, non-starter for all of these small businesses because they were mostly smaller businesses. Some of them were part of bigger exhibitors, but they were not going to spend the money on new projectors. Well, anyway, that's the past, but that does not mean we shouldn't learn from the history. Just as audiences are beginning to feel like going back to the movies is an experience they don't have to think about for weeks, worrying about their physical safety, though there has not still been a single reported case of COVID coming from a movie theater contact, here comes variable pricing. Today at the AMC Century City here in Los Angeles, going to a movie could cost you per ticket or $12.89, and I'm probably missing some, like senior pricing. Buying tickets online has become much more the norm, but if a price is a consideration in your choice of going or not going, what is this mess? 
How do you find your way in? And what kind of sense does it make for AMC or Regal or all exhibitors to decide for themselves what will be a hit and what will not and price accordingly? If there's anything that the movie and history, tele- history of movies and television has taught us, it's that no one really knows what's going to be a hit and what's going to be a miss. This is one of the big reasons why big IP movies are so popular with studios because they rarely fail. Of course, they're also so expensive that they often don't make money. It's a different discussion for a different day. I think varied pricing can work for exhibition if, and only if, they lay it out really clearly for the consumer and stick with it. It can be a little complex, but again, consistency is what is an absolute must. So not too complex. But doing it on the sly is not a good methodology. Say in the big city, 25 bucks for a premium screen screening. Showing. (laughs) $20 for big movies on regular screens. $15 for regular movies on regular screens. $10 for an art house, quote-unquote, movie on a regular screen. Maybe $7.50 for matinees. $5 on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during the daytime, which is what they've been doing for a while now at AMC. If it needs to be higher for premium screens, okay. That's a point of negotiation. Want to discount premium screen matinees on Tuesday and Wednesday? Okay, fine. Go ahead. Make up your own numbers. The point is settle on a target your audience can keep up with and can keep in their heads as a new norm. AMC's A-List, a service I subscribe to, offers up to three films a week on any AMC screen of any kind for $23.95 a month. I'm convinced there are a lot of reserve seats that go unused by A-List members, which is probably forcing ticketing on premium seats higher because AMC knows the percentage of reservations that go unused. This is another complication, something else to work through. I'm taking my family to see the Batman later today. $20 an adult, $17 for a 12-year-old. Regular screen, nothing special. But it's too expensive for that. 20 bucks is too much for a plain old screen. Lots and lots of seats before the evening shows are available, and that's probably why. Meanwhile, premium theater seats are almost completely sold out in the area, and that's $26.50 per adult or $22.50 for the kids. I would have paid the extra money for a premium screen, as many have, but seats aren't available within 10 miles of my mid-city home here in Los Angeles, and AMC and Regal are obviously seeing that in their numbers. So again, expect more conversions. But if you are a ticket-by-ticket movie theater attendee and you pay 25 bucks for the Batman, do you think of tickets as expensive, like as in tickets always cost 20 bucks? Or do you think of that you can maybe go see a Searchlight movie on a weekend for just 14 bucks? That's a big difference in how people decide what they're going to do. It doesn't matter so much that the consumer can go on the app and see that the ticket they might want is cheaper than they expected. It is the retailer's need to train their customers. They have to say repeatedly, pay X amount for big movies, pay Y for middle movies, pay Z for little movies. Teach the lesson you want to teach. Not just get more from comic book movies. Give your captured audience a reason to come back to other kind of movies. Sell the whole product. The long-term goal has to be rebuilding and stabilizing the market for theatrical, not gouging audiences a dozen times a year because you can get away with it. That is penny-wise and pound-foolish. That is, unless you want to see your 15-screen multiplex become a five-screen premium plex in five years, from 5,000 seats down to 1,000 seats available in the same brick-and-mortar location. Yes, the price per seat would be higher. But no, it would not make up for the loss of seats, even if you're running over 90% empty on most of your screens Monday through Wednesday. And that, for what it's worth, becomes a 15,000-screen domestic exhibition business, down from the 40,000-plus we now have, not even accounting for the percentage of theaters that would simply close under those circumstances. Soon, we are down to a smaller than 10,000-screen exhibition business, with fewer than 200 screens per state. Is that the goal? No one smart thinks the industry cannot change the market. It can. In fact, 
Distribution is the only thing that can really change the exhibition market. It's not going to be the audience. It's going to be distribution. And it's not just a moral question of jobs lost or lost businesses. It's not because we all love movie theaters so much. It's because Disney just joined every other streamer without commercials planning an ad-based stream for people who can't or won't pay for commercial free. Even Netflix is testing this idea overseas. Things change. It doesn't stay the same. No one can afford to throw money away, and miniaturizing theatrical is just that. Coming out of two years of a health emergency, Exhibition needs, more than ever, to rebuild a relationship with its audience. If The Batman does $150 million this weekend, that's about 12.5 million tickets sold nationally, assuming the prices are higher because people are paying for premium and so forth. If AMC picks up an extra $5 bucks, maybe, in that equation this weekend, will it be worth the bad will? Successful marketing is affirmative marketing. No more lies. That's a Batman line. Well, and I don't really even mean it. No more secrets. Okay? Until tomorrow.